0: All right, so I want to start off with a quick uh, story that I once came across, uh, and I just want to share it with you as we get started here. It says, what to do with Wally. Wally, the story says, was an awkward and shy child who belonged to the church kids club. It was time to hand out the roles for the Christmas play. But what role should the teacher give Wally, she mused. She decided on the the innkeeper. It was an important role, but it required Wally to do one thing, to shake his head and say one line. Sorry, we have no room here. Wally grinned from ear to ear when he learned of his important role, and he couldn't wait for the big night. It arrived soon enough, and the play was proceeding according to plan. Mary and Joseph had traveled to Bethlehem and come to the door of the inn. Joseph knocked, and Wally on cue opened the door. Please, sir, do you have room we could take, asked Joseph. Wally shook his head and replied, I'm sorry, we have no room. Now the boy playing Joseph was particularly confident as a child. And while the script called for him and Mary to turn away at this point, Joseph decided to exercise some dramatic license. But, sir, he said to the innkeeper, my wife is about to have her baby and we need somewhere to stay. Couldn't you find us a room? Wally's face went white. This was not planned for. And he paused for a moment before he, repeating his line I'm sorry. We have no room. But sir, replied Joseph, we've traveled a long way and we have nowhere else to go and my wife is very, very, very tired. Surely you can find us somewhere. Wally bowed his head, shook it sadly and said, I'm sorry, we have no room. Forlornly, Joseph and Mary started walking away. Wally, now fully into his role, felt shamed and saddened. A tear trickled down his cheek. Then his voice was heard calling out, wait, 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 please come back. You can have my room. See, it may not have been according to script, but at that moment, Wally gave a perfect expression to what it means to receive the Christmas story. To some, the story of Christmas is a story about a baby named Jesus born in a manger because there was no room for him in an inn. It's a story of wise men that came from the East seeking to find and worship the Savior of the world. It's a story of a virgin conceiving a child that would change the world, but if we're to truly appreciate the essence, the reality, the purpose, the message of the Christmas story, we must receive The message that it announces to all. And more importantly, we should make room for it in our lives personally and daily. See, the Christmas story isn't one to just be thought upon or considered during Christmas. The Christmas story is a story that should play a part in our lives every single day. It was good news. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And starting at verse 26, you can follow us on the screen if you don't have your Bible. If you'd like a Bible, we have some. You can just raise your hand. Our uh, our, uh, ushers will gladly get you one. Um, Starting at verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel... Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. I want you to remember those words, and I want you to remember that message. Verse 29. And she who, has, who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for the word from God will, will ever will never fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I want us to consider what's going on in this passage of scripture, in this actual event that occurred. The Bible tells us of a young woman by the name of Mary. Now, history tells us that she was most likely around the mid to uh, late teenage years. But nonetheless, she receives a message from God sent to her directly by the angel Gabriel. And what we see is that this message was one that was completely incongruent. It did not fit. The times, it did not fit. The understanding, it did not fit what people thought a relationship with God was about. Listen to the message that the angel brings. her. He says, Mary, you are highly favored by God. Another version of scripture says, you are highly favored amongst all women. What's the message in essence? You're chosen. And there's something that I want to do in you. And I want to deposit my son into your life. And so Mary, while hearing this message, it had an impact on her. Now, I want you to think about this. If God had chosen you to bless the world in this way, some of you, I mean, ladies, you could probably appreciate this, right? The the announcement of a baby. Guys, I don't know that that would necessarily work for us, us conceiving a baby, Anyway, that was a lot funnier in my head than I thought, but uh, let's get back to the message, right? Um, (laughs) But it wouldn't work, but this was the message that that she received, and at the mention of that message today, while some of us could be elated, verse 29 tells us differently about Mary. I want to point out to you what it says. It says that she was greatly troubled. Now, in the Greek language, what that's literally saying is that Mary was disturbed wholly, completely. I want you to think about what it means. It means that she was disordered, that all of a sudden everything became disorganized. There was an interruption. She was greatly agitated. She was disquieted from within. She was upset. She was unhinged. In other words, this wasn't necessarily good news to her. And we're going to talk about why in a second. I want you to also notice in verse 29 that at the hearing of this, message, of this message from God, it says that she wondered what kind of greeting this message might be, what it meant. And that word uh, 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 wondered there speaks of disputing in her mind. And so literally here's what's going on. Let's just make this, break this down in layman's terms. Mary receives this message and she goes, wait, this doesn't fit into the equation of my understanding of this doesn't fit into my plan. This, does, this just can't be. And so Mary begins to go through disputing thoughts. She's agitated. She's unsettled. And there's no room for this at this time. In other words, this message from God disordered, disorganized, and turned her world around. What she thought her life was about and what she thought the plan for her life was about. In other words, Mary couldn't believe that God could bless her that God could or would favor her. It was, it, in, in her understanding, something didn't make sense. It didn't fit. I'll have you know, ladies and gentlemen, that that's the story to this day. God, in personal, intimate relationship, caring for us, loving for us, extending himself, and not asking us for anything in return, doesn't fit this world's understanding. Let me prove it to you. Some of you, you're going to get a gift today that you didn't expect, and you're going to go, oh my God, thank you so much. I left your gift at home, liar. (laughs) You're going to run to Walmart because it's the only place open tonight, and you're going to go get... (laughs) Listen, the idea that genuine, pure love God's love is one that doesn't require anything in return for us that we don't have to do anything to earn it doesn't fit in this world's understanding. Now let me just bring it home a little bit more personal. Does it fit into your understanding of a relationship with God? Are you questioning? Are are you like I was? Well, you know, I just got to get my life together. You You know, I can't go to church. Some of you came and maybe somebody dragged you here, literally. Right. But I, I'll have I'll say this for us all that the Bible reveals and we're going to dig into this a little bit more that what God did. He did not just do for people inside a building that many people refer to as church. Right. He did it for the entire world. That's right. The price that he paid wasn't just for you, Christian. Right. It was for the world. Amen. Every single one. That's right. From the lowest to the highest and everything in between. God loved the entire world. Now, what's interesting, if we'll turn to verse 30, if we could put that up, is that we notice something about Mary's response by what the angel says to her. He says to her, do not be afraid, Mary. That word there tells us that the angel was alluding to something that she was experiencing. And that word afraid there in the original language speaks of a fear that puts one to flight. It speaks of a fear that seizes upon a person with great alarm. You ever been on a roller coaster and you are so afraid? I'm that guy that my picture will never come out right on a roller coaster. (laughs) You know that picture they take? I'm that guy that's like, (laughs) and my knuckles are white and I'm (laughs) clenching my teeth and I look like a hot mess, right? But why? Because fear seizes upon me. But you know why I do it? Because I refuse to give in to that fear. I'm going to do it anyway. Right, But I'm afraid every time, I'll be honest with you. But Mary was afraid. Listen, the very idea that God would speak to her, be with her, be in her, bless her, and bless the world through her, caused her to want to run away and be overwhelmed with great alarm. But the question is why? Why would that be the case? Why would Mary's response be that? Now, for some of us, we go, duh, Mary, you should have known. But you're looking at it hindsight, you know, looking backwards. And they say hindsight is always twenty twenty. But let's dig into this. Let's look at this. See, her situation was quite complicated. It really was. It was quite complicated. Uh, let me just give you some background just from a, a general historical cultural standpoint. She was a woman. In those days, and according to religious and cultural norms of those times, a woman was in essence not allowed to know God personally. She couldn't go into the temple. She relied upon what her husband or her father told her about what he had learned about God. You ever play the telephone game? Right? You ever wonder why you never get the same message at the end? Because a lot gets lost in translation. Well, guess what? For some of us, we've heard of God. We've heard of God. But a lot has gotten lost in translation. And for Mary, in her understanding, here's what she understood. God doesn't speak to women. It troubled her. Why else? She was a virgin. She had never been with a man. Just think about this. How could this possibly happen without a man? How? I'm not even married. The law says that I'm supposed to be married. This just can't work. It did not fit into her natural perspective and she could not grasp that God actually does things differently. Hey, guess what? That's a good point to consider. That God doesn't function the way we think. Whatever understanding you have of God, whatever exposure you've had to quote-unquote religion, whatever it is that you think you know about God, can I suggest to you that there's more to know? Can I suggest to you that God always does things different from what we expect, but better? Better? Much better. And lastly, she was, she, she was promised to another man. She was, she was uh, pledged to be married to another man. And so for her to conceive and give birth to God's son, and not Joseph, who, who she wasn't married to yet, literally violated the very laws that they were told they had received from God literally she, in her understanding, this would be fornication. Here's what it also meant. This would be a certain sentence of death according to the Jewish law in those times. And so can we understand and appreciate that Mary's situation was complicated. But at face value, all these things would seem to justify her cause for fear. But the truth is that there was a far greater reason for her fear. I want to take you back to verse 30 in Luke chapter 1 and I want you to see that the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary and listen to what he says you have found favor with God Can I tell you that scripturally all fear speaks of an absence of love If you just don't understand how much you are loved how much you're accepted fear will prevail It will you won't have confidence. Let me prove it to you. Maybe you were that kid like me, or maybe you just were that good kid, goody two-shoes kid, and you just watched from the outside, right? That kid that when they did something wrong, right? I, I was that kid that when I did something wrong, I would go, Mom, can I have this? And the answer was no, right? So after a while, I learned you just don't ask for things when you messed up. Some of you teens, here's, here's where you're at right now, right? A couple of weeks ago, you, you, you got your report card, and it wasn't so good, And I guarantee you that at that time you didn't go, Dad, can I get the new iPhone X? You did not ask at that time. You probably wouldn't. Why? Because there's a confidence that was lacking because you based your acceptance upon what you do. That's not the way God works. It is not. It is not. If it were so, then guess what? What Jesus did wasn't good enough. What God did by sending his son wasn't sufficient. And I'm here to tell you that that is the farthest thing from the truth. What Jesus did was more than sufficient. And so Mary was afraid. But she was afraid because because of her inability to understand that she could actually be favored by God. The Christmas story can be summed up in three simple words. Three simple words. God favors you. Amen. God favors you. God loves you. Now, for some of us, we hear that and maybe you're where I was many years ago. Well, when I heard I love you, I also envisioned this with it. When I heard I love you, In my understanding, I also heard, what do you want from me? But that's not the way God works. Scripture says this. It says that we are saved by His grace. That word grace speaks of His favor and many other things, but I don't have time to get into that. But it says that we're saved by His grace through faith, not of works, not of anything that we could do, lest any of us could boast. In other words, if it was based upon what we do, then we could say, I did this for God. But guess what? If you could do that thing, you wouldn't need God. None of us could. None of us would. And so it's all based upon his favor without exceptions. There's nothing that we bring to the table to add to what he's done. The only thing we can do is respond to that favor. And here's what I know about love or what I've learned over the years and I'm still learning that when it's true love, The natural response is to love in return, not because I have to, because I want to, because I want to. You struggle with that? Try that with your niece and your nephew tonight. Just love on them. They're acting all crazy. Just love on them. Watch them respond. Watch them come around. Love, true love works. And so, like Mary, it's one of the simple truths that can change our lives. This message changed their life. It can cause you to be a blessing and it can cause you to bless others all around you. It empowers you to bring forth all that's good that God has deposited or is seeking to deposit in you today if you don't know Christ. Today's big idea is a simple one. Fear not. God favors you. If you don't leave with anything else, leave with this. You have nothing to fear. Because you don't owe God anything. He paid it all. You don't owe him him anything. See, if this simple truth is to be of effect in our lives, there's two things that are necessary. And they're both responses. Number one, we must believe it. Do we believe it? The Bible talks about a man named Abraham. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and we're not going to go there today but in essence Abraham receives a message he receives a message from God and the message is leave your home leave everything you know leave everything you, you is normal and acceptable to you leave your father's house leave your country and go to a land that I'm going to show you and if you read verses two and three going into verse four and all that what you see is the him, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless the nations through you. I'm going to give you a child. And, and you're going to bless this earth. And if you look at Genesis 12, Genesis 13, Genesis 14, Genesis 15, God shows him the stars in the sky. He shows him the sand on the seashore. And he says, that's how many people are going to come through you. That's how richly my blessing is going to flow into all the world. And so in, Genesis, in, in Galatians chapter 3, we read of Abraham and his response. And it says in verse 6 So also Abraham, listen closely, believed God. Believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. You know what the Bible's saying there? Abraham received a message from God, like the one that you're receiving today. And all Abraham could do was respond in belief. It didn't make complete sense. I mean, you try that. Some of you, you, you're pretty settled. I've got my career. I've got my home. I've got my kids. I'm in ministry. I, you know, I have my job. I have my family, my friends. And God says, leave it all. And yet Abraham responded because he believed. But it wasn't what Abraham believed. It was who he believed in. He believed God, the Bible says. He believed God. What did he believe? He believed that God had called him a pagan, an unqualified man, a man that was far from God, one that wasn't even looking for God. He believed that God called him to leave a life that he knew to discover the life that God had had for him one that was blessed, one that would uh, produce blessing through him and bless others and would continually, residually bless and bless and bless and bless. If you don't know this to be the truth, let me tell you today that your life is meant to be a blessing. Amen. And you are blessed to know Jesus. And if you don't know him, you have a blessing available unto you. One that will just, not just change your life, but change everything around you everything around you, the change you seek, the results you see, the answers you're looking for, they're all found in a God that favors you, loves you, beckons you, and invites you to a personal, intimate relationship. Amen. When Abraham believed that God favored him, all of a sudden, the favor of God was at work in his life. It, it, it was just released. God had given it to them, but Abraham responded, and that, it began to outpour into his entire life. You might say, well, that was for Abraham. You don't know my situation. Let me suggest to you that there's a far better situation than the one that you think is yours. There's a far better one. Let me prove that to you. Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. I'm going to be reading from the easy-to-read version only because it's easy to read. <laughs> it's simple says so you should know that the true children of Abraham are those who have faith so I want you to begin to see something that there are children of Abraham and it's not talking about physical children per se but there are people that qualify and are to partake of the very thing that was Abraham's verse 8 says the scriptures told what would happen in the future these writings said that God would make the non-jewish people say "That's that's me and if you're Jewish that's fine This applies to you too. (laughs) But he says, these scriptures told what would happen in the future. These writings said that God would make the non-Jewish people right through their faith. God told this good news to Abraham before it happened. God said to Abraham, I will use you to bless all the people on the earth. Verse 9 is the kicker. Abraham believed this. And because he believed, he was blessed. Listen to this. All people who believe are blessed the same. As Abraham was. Listen. I got one that's me. Can I get two? Can I get three? Can I get four? Can I get five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten? Listen. If you believe. If you can get outside the box of what you believe God to be. And God's approach to you and I. If we can get outside that box. And simply accept. God. You're for me. You love me. You did it for me. You did it for my neighbor. You did it for my kids. You did it for my family. You did it for my husband who's bugging out. You did it for, you did it. You did it for everyone. If you believe that, and you believe that he sent his son, and that his son not only came to bring tangible proof of that announcement, But you also believe that he died and he rose again and he paid a penalty that was yours to pay so that you can enjoy the freedoms of the blessing that God has always decided in your life. If you believe that, then according to what God says, you're just as blessed as Abraham. And if you're believing that for the first time today, you are just as blessed and get ready because God is about to knock your socks off. See, at first glance, we found Mary reluctant. She was fearful. In a sense, she was unable to receive the good news that God had for her. But then suddenly, it changed. Suddenly, it changed. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 37. It says that the angel said to her, For no word from God will ever fail. Nothing that God has ever said will ever fail. Is it any wonder that the scriptures say that love never fails? His word never fails. And his message that he favors you and he loves you never, ever fails. I'm sorry, I'm having a moment because... Look, I, remember. I don't know your story, but I know mine. Amen. And all I know is that God took me. Yes. Took a man broken. Thank you. Took a man full of excuses. Took a man full of hurts hard life, hard upbringing. The streets was my school. And to think that God would look under the barrel, not at the bottom, and say, you, I love you. You, I choose you. You, I choose to bless. And you, I choose to bless others through. Listen, whether you believe in Jesus or not, let me say this to you. I'm looking at you, and as I'm looking at you, you're preaching to me. Because what I see is the blessing of God, not just on my life, but in your life. And I identify with what the scriptures say, and I accept the truth. God, you favor me, you're for me, and all I can do is say, thank you. Thank you, God. Just thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, now... You might th- That's my story, but that's also your story. That's everyone's story. Hey, the guy sitting on death row, that's his story. That's right. The guy who beats his wife, that's his story. The drug addict, that's his story. The businessman who has it all together, that's his story, whether he knows it or not. The person who has a peachy cream, a uh, uh, pie-in-the-sky life, and everything is good, and they don't have any need for God, that's their stories too. Because while they think they have everything, they have nothing. But it suddenly changed for Mary. See, Mary got to a point where she came to a crossroads. The angel says to her, no word from God will ever fail. Will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And Mary was faced with two roads at that point. Do I continue down this path with God afar? Where God doesn't speak to me because I'm a woman and I can't believe it and I won't receive it and I won't accept it. Or she was faced with another choice, another path, a better one. Do I trust the message that God has given me today? That I have access to God. That I'm favored and loved by God. And that I have a destiny and a purpose that will bless me and others through Christ in me. You know, the scriptures say, what we have to understand is this, that the, the blessing in Mary's life was... That she accepted Jesus just like some of you did. She she literally accepted Jesus. She accepted the message that the Savior of the world was to come on earth. And she said, Be it unto me. And that message so changed her life that till this day we're seeing proof of it in ours. It's transcending into our lives. Verse 38 tells us that Mary's initial fear radically changed because her belief carried her to a point of receiving the message of Christmas. You can't forget Christ in Christmas. For you Hispanics, you'll appreciate this. Christmas. More Christ. And for those of you that don't speak Spanish, that just means more Jesus. But listen to her response in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. And then she gets, it gets real close and personal for her. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. To me. That message became hers. She embraced it. She received it. She owned it. And as a result of it, it came to be. As we close here today, I want to point you to a very familiar passage of Scripture. Hey, there's bumper stickers on this one, so everybody should know this one. At some point, you've seen it, you've heard it. But John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 Speak of the motivation and the purpose of why God sent His Son. Why this message was so necessary. I'm going to personalize this for us. And I want you to just hear it. I know you got your Bible open and all that. Maybe you're looking at the screen, that's fine. But I want you to hear this. For God so loved you. God so loved you I know it says the world but what I don't want you to miss is I don't want the picture to be so big that you forget about your part in it for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him let me just pause right there Whoever believes in the message about him, whoever believes in the announcement that was made, another portion of scripture, and we're not going to get into it, but another portion of scripture alludes to these wise men from the east. They were learned men, they were men that studied the prophecies and the scriptures and all that. And these men came seeking this king, this savior. This child that would radically change the entire world until this day is still the same. And the Bible says that there's a point where they, as they're going there, as they're there, they they see the child and they bear gifts and all that and they, they embrace him and all And the angels, the Bible says, the heavens open up and the angels begin to declare Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which simply means God with us. God in us. God for us. And so that's what it's talking about there. For God so loved the world that he gave, God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Listen to this, verse 17, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. Jesus did not come into this world with a message that said, you're going to hell. (laughs) Bunch of sinners. You're all going to hell. Not at all. I'm sorry, I'm not that cookie cutter guy, polished guy. This is just me. What you see is what you get. But Jesus didn't bring that message. No, it says he didn't come to condemn the world. But by that very he saved the world through him. Listen, the reason why God sent Jesus was because of his love for all. And because only his love could restore us to a right relationship with God and to make us right in spite of our wrongs. Listen, I know for some of us, we've, been grown, we, we've grown up, we've been grown for a while too. <laughs> some of us, we've grown up and we've adopted a mentality where our response is usually, what's wrong with you? Or you tell yourself, what's wrong with me? you know what God's response is? Nothing. Nothing. See, your value and who you are is not determined by the price that you've set on your life or the price that others have. Hear what I'm saying. The opinion of others. The hangups, the hurts, the mess-ups, the hiccups, all the ups and downs, all that stuff. None of that determines your worth. Maybe you've purchased a brand new car, right? And at some point you've gone and you buy the new car and the moment you off the lot, the dealer says, sorry, it's not worth those 30,000 you bought it for. That's not how God works. Listen, listen, listen closely. Don't miss this point. Your value is not determined by the worth that people place on you. Your value is determined by by the worth of the price that was paid for you in Christ. Listen, Christ gave his life that we might have life. Christ died that we might live. Jesus said this, I came that you would have an abundant life a good life, a blessed life. And that that blessing would transcend not just to you, but through you. Hey, why not receive the blessing of God today? Why not embrace the message of Christmas? God with you, God for you, God desiring to live in you and through you. An abundant life. Would you stand with us today?